Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thursday Live Lesson. My name is Aldrin Guerrero, joined by these fine, fine gentlemen. Mr. Aaron, the voice, Nakamura. Say what's up, Aaron. What's up? Mr. Kahai, the legend, Fergan. Say what's up, Kahai. What's up? And returning for like the hundredth time. <laughs> How many times has it been? It's been a lot. Oh, Mr. Mike. Magic Mike. Oh, I was like, wait, what is it? What is it? <laughs> Magic Mike. Oh, no. Hey, thanks for joining <laughs> us again, Mike. Everyone. Hey, about a round of applause. So, Don't Thursday worry, man, me lesson. and my chicken nuggets are good. All good. <laughs> You're wearing the right shirt for it. Wearing the right shirt. You got, you got that Sichuan sauce with it, too? I wish. Because oh, you stockpiled, didn't you? I did. While everyone was hoarding <laughs> toilet paper and uh, and and Lysol and stuff, you were uh, mushu sauce. Yeah. Well, they, they had it for like they, let's put it this way: they had it for about a month. Yeah, I probably bought a twenty-piece chicken McNugget every third day. <laughs> <laughs> they give you four. They give you four, and it would only take me two to get through the <laughs> get through it. Yeah. So I would stop by two every time. <clears throat> I eventually had this huge thing. And then as soon as they stopped me, and then as soon as they stopped producing it, mm. I just started eating them. And then with another, <laughs> couldn't you just like ask them, to ask ask them to buy like buy the things separately? Like I actually did. They wouldn't do it. Oh yeah. Oh, you gotta you gotta buy something. You have to buy the the actual McNugget. I was yeah. like, what what's a case of them cost? What is a case yeah. of these things cost? Or you know, <laughs> a guy in the truck in the back. <laughs> 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 all right yeah, anyway i asked so, and they said uh no, <laughs> no, 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 no. we can't do that so, <laughs> so thursday live lesson is a place where you guys can ask us questions we call all the questions szechuan sauce questions whatever it may be you guys can ask us <laughs> anything that you want i guess you know like uh we're guys from ukulele on the ground ukulele is our forte but you can ask us basically anything and uh, we try to answer them as best as we can i answer them as best as i can these guys ready here will put in their two cents and i'll come up with a, with a super answer for you so uh lay it on me gentlemen here we go here's our first question kahai uh yeah so i was like saving this question specifically for when mike was on oh. uh so another... saving all the questions for <laughs> <Mike>. <laughs> yeah yeah uh because another mike asked um how can he get started with learning jazz chords and jazz standard songs yeah mike is the jazz the, the jazz master yes guy <laughs> um well jazz okay so jazz chords if you go back through the podcast you'll try and look up anything we've ever done on how to build chords meaning chord extensions um starting off with a simple triad chord then sevens then nines elevens thirteens um now specific voicings for that is going to be a little bit is 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 going to be a little bit more depending on the instrument that you play um for certain instruments you don't really you you need to know how the chord is constructed, but you're never really going to play them as a chord. I.e., if you're a bass player, um, I can play jazz chords on mine on my bass, but I, in a realistic setting, you're very rarely ever called to do that. Uh, if you're a guitarist, there is a enormous swath of educational materials out there for you. Uh, the one thing I would tell anybody is learn the basics of creating a chord voicing, which to me is you need to include the third note and the seventh note of the chord. Anything after that is color or tension that you want to put into it. Uh, so if you if you brought me five jazz guitars and say, make me a C7 chord, you're probably going to get five different versions of that <laughs> chord. You know, And that's going to be very dependent on 
the style of jazz they play. For instance, someone who plays Benny Goodman, big band style jazz is going to play a very different voicing than someone who plays Miles Davis, 1970s fusion, uh, you know, Fizz the Kilimanjaro fusion jazz. So because of that, it's going to kind of depend on your own ear and where you want to go. Uh, as for learning jazz standards, one the one thing I would start with is actually learning forms, not necessarily specific songs. If you learn forms and how the form works, then it's a lot easier because then everything seems to fit itself into that framework already. For example, if you are playing, you know, your average pop song, you're talking about having an intro, a first verse, possibly pre-chorus or the chorus, second verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and out. Now, not every song obviously falls into that, but a lot of them do. And with jazz music, it's pretty much the same way. The, the standard form is what they call an AABA form. And what that would mean is it's 32 bars, 32 measures, broken into four sections of eight. And so the chords would be, as the thing goes, AABA. So the first eight bars has a chord structure. It's repeated in the second eight bars. And then the B section comes, which is usually considered the bridge, for, and that's eight bars. And then you re uh, recapitulate it for eight more bars of the first chord progression, and then you start all over again. I would probably tell you about 75 to 80% of most things we consider to be jazz standards are written in that format. Especially especially anything that came from, say, before the 70s, 60s and earlier are pretty much all going to be in that form. Because that, before the verse-chorus-verse-chorus uh, format was actually the format that most composers of pop Broadway used to, to create their songs. So if I, you memorize that, it becomes a lot easier. Uh, this is kind of going directly against what you said, like not to learn songs, but can you give some songs that would be an example of, of like that they should look at for that kind of stuff? Okay. Um, I don't think that really goes against it, meaning meaning that if they're trying to learn what um, – it's two things. If you're trying to learn the forms of jazz, then no, no specific song is necessary, okay? But to what you're asking um, – are there songs? Do you really mean like are there songs that pretty much everybody knows? Uh, or, or like just uh, what are some good songs to learn? I guess to to get that idea that you were saying, like uh, to learn forms. To instead. learn the forms. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple a couple songs that everybody seems to know. Uh, All the things you are by Jerome Kern. Um, How high the moon? Aldrin, I think remembers that one. <laughs> and we 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 you, we played it in quite high jazz band. I'm that sure was... we did. <laughs> I'm sure I played it before. I played um, lots of songs. I don't yeah. remember most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all the things you are, how high the moon, um, blue bossa. That's a pretty good one because it's oh, really easy. Yeah. Uh, any song also, a, speaking of a different song that would be very jazzy in blues form, anything, anything using the blues. So say things like um, bird, anything bird blues, um, bird named after Charlie Parker. That would be, that would be definitely a good one to learn. Um, and the other set of changes that everybody seems to know in jazz is um, the changes to I Got Rhythm. If anybody mm -hmm. knows that song, it's an old song that George Gershwin wrote. And as was the custom with a lot of jazz at the time, what they would do is they would take chord structures they liked and they would just write a new melody over it. Mm. And basically what they were doing was it was a way for them to 
keep playing the chords they like to be able to do solos, but at the same time, not have to play the same melody over and over and over again. So you can learn I Got Rhythm, because that's a great song. Uh, other songs like that are Oleo by Sonny Rollins. Uh, gosh, it's hard to think like right off the top of my head, but there's literally like uh, The Theme by Miles Davis. That's another one. And I mean, out if you learn those three, basically, like the AABA form, the jazz blues form, and then uh, Tenor Madness, that's a jazz blues song I was thinking about. And um, the I Got Rhythm Changes, if you hear any jazzer ever say, oh, let's play rhythm changes. That's that's what they're talking about. So, because I remember when I was just getting into jazz in high school, I hung out with, with them and they would say, oh, we'll just play rhythm changes. And I'm going, yeah. Are we, are we, are we, are we, <laughs> does that mean we're just playing a rhythm yeah. and changing it? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like going from 4-4 four, four to 3-4. <laughs> I, I, like, yeah, I, I like all the rhythms. 5-4, four, 4-4, four, 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 give me anything. <laughs> There's a ton of songs that'll do that to you, too. Um, for anybody, By the way, for any of you who are looking to get into jazz, uh, a great, easy resource that is also free is uh, go to jazzbooks.com. It's the company run by a guy named Jamie Abersold. If you play jazz, if you've played jazz for a while, you definitely know who this guy is. He started off in the 60s, I want to say, 60s, 70s. And he, what he realized was he was at a camp teaching jazz and the kids had no way, real way to practice. Some of the kids coming to his camp didn't have other people around them to play. So what he did was he went to a studio and just recorded him. He played the piano, uh, got a bass player and a drummer, and they would just play the chord changes to these songs. Just repeat, 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 repeat. And he would sell them as records with a book that had all the melodies. So it was something that allowed you to um, play the melody and play some solos, work on your what you were doing and play the out and everything like that. And it was a way for you to practice that stuff if you weren't in a situation where you could easily get together with a piano, bass, and drums. And, you know, here he is like 40, 50 years later, he still runs jazz camps. He has 200 something play along books of that nature. But if you go to his site, he has something called the Red Book, which is free. <laughs> Looks like this. <laughs> of course i have them and what it is is it's a free so you can request this for free oh cool they'll just send it to you um matter of fact almost every year i ever taught jazz uh i taught the after school jazz band at quite high i would always call them up and say hey could you send me about 50 of these and i would just hand it out to all the kids oh <laughs> and inside is you know some talking about you know, scales, chords, what the different chord symbols mean, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, had it actually has some work in it for you so you can show that you're learning, you know, kind of to solidify it in your head. For those who play chordal instruments, it actually has how do you construct jazzy sounding chords. Mm, nice. Cool. And uh, also in here is certain things like... Uh, a short list of bebop players. So these are guys you can, you know, go to YouTube and check these guys out because these are the guys who basically created the language that you're trying to learn. Oh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of basic theory stuff. For free, it's an awesome thing. That's cool, man. Yeah. You know? And the, the coolest thing about Jamie's site is you actually don't even have to buy anything to get one of these. Hmm. He's, so, he's, he's so invested in jazz education that if you go to the website and simply request one of these, they'll mail you one for free. Well, we'll definitely mm -hmm. put a link to it in the yeah, description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazzbooks.com. Yeah. Yeah. So, Michael, 
<laughs> if you're looking, if you're looking to get into jazz as a beginning, I would definitely say start there. Um, obviously, this is ukulele, so we always have to plug this because we were talking about him before. Also, if you're learning, wanting to learn how to play jazz on ukulele, go look at Abe Lagrimus's book. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a man with friends. <laughs> wrote the book on jazz ukulele. <laughs> do, we, do we really need to promote Abe anymore? Talk about him so much. <laughs> I mean, after they watch that video, they're probably going to say, well, how did he do that? Right. Yeah. I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah. Since we're talking about this, Aldrin, I okay. loved your thumb thing. That's what you. That's what I was going to tell you in the video. What thumb thing? So there was a part in there where you were doing doing like a tremolo with your thumb. Oh, and it was kind of wait, like this. So we, we're we're talking yeah. about uh, we just posted on Instagram uh, a video of Aldrin, Abe, and Calais playing Breezin, and they all took yeah they all took solos just like improv kind of right off the top of the head kind of stuff and um and so yeah so check out check it out on our Instagram yeah Uke Underground IGTV. Instagram yeah. It's, it's it's well worth checking out, especially since I guess I mean you and Kalei have a more similar style than you and Abe do. Yeah, but yours and his style are still very different. You know, um, it's very Kalei? personal. Yeah, per- personal yeah. to you. So you don't often get a chance in a, a very intimate kind of situation like that mm. to see three guys who can really play and do their thing <laughs> in a way that you can kind of check it out like that. You, yeah, you don't kinda, get yeah, that. Yeah. So, it was yeah. kind of cool because it was during the retreat. So, like, it, you know, on, in the retreat, like, Kalei and I have been, uh, were the teachers for that retreat. And we've been kind of teaching things. It's a lot of, like, okay, we'll do, you know, like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do island style or whatever. You know, like, I mean, it's not just that. We, we dive, you know, pretty deep into the songs and whatnot. But then, like, these, you know, these two teachers that you spent, like, all weekend with, all of a sudden, like, you know, like we take off all the uh, all the shackles and we can just do whatever we want. And then the people are like, well, I, I didn't realize, like, you know, they were that good. You know, <laughs> it's a really cool moment, like at, at the at the retreat where we just kind of let go. We, you know, we took off all the weighted vests and the, uh, you know, we just went rockly. Exactly. Rockly weights, baby. It's off. <laughs> and just we just went. I know it's it really cool because um, it was three different, very distinct styles, you know, mm-hmm. where um, Kalei is very technically gifted. You know, like he really knows his way around the fretboard. He knows how to like play as clean and as accurate as possible. And then you got a guy like Abe, who's you know, whose knowledge of jazz and chords and music in general, not even just jazz. Like he was just straighten up, like you know, like being an encyclopedia, like for me and uh, for me and Abe. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of took us on a journey from like something really basic into just like a whole new world. You know, like. I- I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like with his Arabic scales, it was kind of crazy. I think he said and you and Jake Shimabukuro videos better. He would have wiped it completely. Please, <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy. Uh, I think he said that, uh, like you were saying that you and Abe, but Abe was the one that was teaching you and Clay. That's what you're saying, or yeah. like kind of opened up you and Clay yeah. to that this new idea. Yeah. Exactly, and I mean, you know, like my uh, my style is very, um, very like melodic and stuff. Like, so I was as I was kind of doing my solo, I'm kind of thinking, of, you know, thinking of melodies to kind of to 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 make sense of what 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 I'm you know what I'm playing, not just kind of playing notes and stuff. It's still like it's it's three different approaches to it. So it was it was one of uh, the videos that I was most excited for. I mean, one because I was a part of it, you know. Like two, it's it's something that like that just kind of happens 
um, like spontaneously. It's not something that you plan. It's like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then and then you're gonna do that, <laughs> yeah, and then he's gonna do this, okay, like and then let's go. You know, like it's not something that you plan. It's just something that just kind of happens. And like that was, you know, uh, there was like two or three songs even before we played that song. That's kind of like the last song that we played together, mm-hmm. and um. You know, it's just us just kind of feeling it out. And even those songs, like, had some magic in them, you know? But then it was, like, I wanted to really, really showcase those dudes. So I'm like, you know what will really showcase these guys? Breezin. And, uh, and and we played it, and it was just exactly what I thought would happen. It's just kind of magic. You know, magic happened. It was, it was really, really, really cool. And um, and for those of you folks who watched it, Mike is talking about my um, my very rubbery finger. <laughs> Like uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of my own thing. Uh, I, I always tell people thumb the tremolo. Kind of, yeah, it's like an independent thumb tremolo. Yeah. So it's like it's something that that I don't I've don't I've never even I've never seen anybody else do. But it's like I've gotten so used to like uh, picking with my thumb that I can actually do a tremolo without anchoring any of my fingers. Like I just kind of hold it, and this becomes like its own thing. And it's it's pretty accurate. I don't use it a lot, but it's one of those, you know, like, hey, if I'm going to bear my, if they're going to bear their fags, I guess I got to show my fags. <laughs> well, you know, like it's, it's that, that kind of moment. Like, and you can kind of tell that, like, that each one of us is just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Oh, that's really cool. It wasn't more, maybe fangs, not, you know, not the thing, but it's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. This is something that, you know, like that I haven't heard in this song yet. And it's kind of like really, really upping, you know, like upping the next person, upping the next person. That's like what Cutting Heads is all about. And then we get to Abe, where he's like, you know, I'm tired of like minor scales. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm tired of this minor scale stuff. And he just kind of went off and it's really cool. Kind of made me wish that maybe, maybe I should take lessons from Abe. <laughs> and he is. You know what? Just so, so since we're promoting our friends and stuff, Abe is actually offering private lessons. Like um, I saw on his Facebook, he just announced it this past weekend um, or last week sometime that he is taking private students. So, you know, I don't know what his premium, you know, charges, but it's, it's going to be up there. And a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of ukulele players are now, um, you know, offering your private lessons. And here, too, on, you know, if you guys have not booked your private lessons with me yet. I can uh, I can give you guys that, but definitely Abe. You know, I guess as a musician, it's kind of like these times are kind of tough. So let's support our friends and maybe get a lesson mm-hmm. or two from him. I, talk, I think talking about lessons, I think our May lessons are all booked up already too. Oh, snap. so yeah, we'll, we'll probably open up our June lessons at this point too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to add before we move on and stuff. Um, when you know when I. When I wanted to pick up jazz, because I could kind of play like jazz light, you know, like, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but like kind of jamming with, with, with Mike again is, uh, is one of the things that re sparked jazz and really made me want to like pursue it again to understand the things that we were playing. And I was playing with some like some jazz killers actually in the, uh, in that little combo that we had. Like, why don't you introduce the people that, that we were playing? Like, why don't you tell them about the, the musicians? Well, it was a. I would say it's. A, it was a pretty diverse group of people. Yeah, I mean, it was stacked. It was stacked. I mean, really, it was the, the 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 one person I think he's talking about more than anybody is our buddy Willie Esperito. <laughs> and Willie, man, I'm just huh? okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Will. You know, Willie's a guitarist that I, I've often said this. I think, especially old school Hawaiian musicians, mm. are probably the most versatile guys you will ever find in your life. Mm-hmm. I think most of those guys who came up in that era, 
especially through like the 70s and the 80s, incredible versatility, mm. you know, and, and, and being that because Hawaii is a, a tourist place you never really know what people are going to ask for you know like like Aldrin has told the story about going to Chicago and there's this amazing blues band and a blues club I very much doubt anybody ever walked into that club and say hey do you think you guys could play you know Margaritaville for me <laughs> I guess yeah they'd probably get beat up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but as anybody who's ever worked in Hawaii could tell you that request comes mm. that request comes right next to can you play Tiny Bubbles? Can you play My Little Grass Shack? At the same time, somebody else will walk in the door and say, hey, can you play Ventura Highway by America? Or can you play Going to California by Led Zeppelin? Mm-hmm. These are all things. And, and they'd have know, to know it. Yeah. And you have to know it. Yeah. You know? So I think one of the things that he was talking about was, you know, what we were doing was playing a jazzy Hawaiian luau type. That was kind of the idea yeah. of the group. And of course, when we're playing Hawaiian music, well, he was playing Hawaiian music, mm. but he was also <laughs> adding in, you know, and that's, I think, one of the first things I, I saw you watching him because he was playing these Hawaiian songs, but mm. then throwing in just that one jazzy note that's like, yeah, you you know, you're, you're like, I have played this song a million times and I've never <laughs> heard someone play nope. that C chord yeah. like that. Yeah. How did you do that? And he was like, of course, one of the interesting things with guys like that is they can do it, but not, they can't always explain it necessarily. <laughs> they just learned it. They, they, their yeah. ears are so finely tuned yeah. that it's just like they hear that that little bit more jazzy, a little bit more dissonant note, and they mm-hmm. add that in because it adds that wonderful tension that's so characteristic of jazz. And then if you ask them, about like, well, which one? What note? <laughs> he said, no, you play that. It's like, you know besides him there was uh rhoda our yeah, leader is also a well-traveled musician too you know japan all over the mainland vegas i mean she's gonna and you know what what Rhoda's really good at she's a, uh, she's a singer rhoda Lee, libre she's a singer yeah. Yeah. The singer, ukulele player, plays at Smith's Tropical Paradise, plays all over the place, really. Mm. And the thing she's really good at is envisioning the show, mm-hmm. you know. And with her, one of the nice things is that she, despite the fact that our show was supposed to be a hula show, a luau show, she mm. immediately did not say, okay, well, we're just going to play all these typical Hawaiian songs you're going to see at every luau. Mm. You know, she wants to start with... Yeah, like Night in Tunisia. Like, we started with Tunisia. that. It's like, what the heck is this song? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of luau are we playing here? Fun stuff. It was amazing. Like, I, I got really introduced to, like, all these, you know, new things. And even, you know, uh, just that one uh, that one show we had the um, with the, the, the keyboard player. He's also an amazing musician. Hank. Like, yeah, Hank is also great. Like they're all. Hank, yeah, I was Hank hanging with like some jazz killers, and I didn't even, you know, I didn't realize. Like I was in shark infested waters. <laughs> I thought yeah, I was Hank pretty good. I'm like, no, I should really just sit down and learn from these guys. You know, <laughs> Hank Curtis. He is the uh, the music director over at All Saints Church here on Kauai, and you know, he's not very often will you see those guys that. You you watch the movie about you know like he was a child genius and did this. Mm. Hank really is kind of that, <laughs> in the sense that you know he made his debut playing with the San Diego Symphony as a child piano soloist when he was like nine or ten. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, you know, well, um, what I ultimately wanted to lead this uh, in, lead this to is um, because I was in those Shark Festival, I was like I need to like up my jazz game and stuff. And here comes Mike. You know, with uh, with with the book, exactly the book that I needed, 
which is um it, it was it was a fake book that got you know I've always wanted a a, a fake book, but then Mike got me this nice kind of carry on like it, what what exactly was it Mike? It was uh... <laughs> the tiny fake book. Was that a book? Yeah, was yeah, that yeah, book? the real book. The real, sorry, not fake, but the real <laughs> book. <laughs> there is a fake book. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the interesting part. The term fake book and real book actually come from the same place. Mm. Can you, uh, Mike, can you show that again? Because the camera wasn't on you. Yeah. I think we've shown this book before in the show, too. This is is actually made by uh, Hal Leonard now. And if you look inside, it's basically just all these tunes and the chords and Mm -hmm. the melodies. That's how I upped my game. Like, I was just, I took that, you know, that gift that, uh, that, that Mike gave me. And I just learned, like, I just randomly turned to a page and I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn. I'm going to listen to that, you know, uh, the, to the recording. And then I'm just going to try to play, play what I know. And if I run across a, a chord that I didn't recognize, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, instead of going to like the chord finder or whatever, I'm like, okay, how do I build that chord? I'm like, okay, I know what E is, you know, like I know what a 13 is, I know what a flat nine you know like so what how do i make an you know e major seven flat five or whatever it's like okay cool here's my e here's the major seven and there's the flat five so like which one of these notes do i do i keep and which one do i throw away because my four strings can't handle all those notes you know so it was a it was really cool to just kind of experiment with things and instead of like trying to look at um you know look at like a chord finder like i said and, and sometimes i you know sometimes i would just to kind of double check my work but that's really what like kind of leveled me up as a you know as a musician and then all the things that i was doing for the show for the jazz luau show i tried to like kind of bring over to like my own show like trying out these like these kind of new voicings and chords and um and that's kind of how i leveled up you know with with that book so you know i thought you were gonna talk about that book but the red book is is amazing you know i'm glad you you mentioned yeah. the red book but also don't forget that that uh that real book the real book yeah. is also great. well the, the 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 better part about the red book is that it carries it, it actually talks a lot about the foundational thing mm. so for someone who doesn't actually know how to construct a chord that information is in there mm. like if you said like a, a certain scale okay so if you have this chord what scale goes with that the red book is what will tell you that type of mm. stuff this book is where you would actually put that into practice mm-hmm. it's where you would actually learn how to use it in a real song situation rather than just running a scale up and down you know yeah because i mean like, um, rhoda would just be like okay we're gonna play orange colored sky i was like i've never heard that song before and i'm like wow that's a lot of chords <laughs> like <laughs> it was that song was a lot of chords like, i i had like okay cool four three two <laughs> like oh and then God. she wanted it in like four different keys too <laughs> she had, like, and I'm like, exactly. like three ways to decide which key we're gonna do it in Oh my gosh! It was like it was really just I was thrown in in like shark infested water because you guys could all do that because they're like oh yeah I know orange colored sky like we what key do you want it and I'm like I can't even play it at this key that like, <laughs> like that has written and I have to like sight read and um and change the transpose key. yeah transpose at the same time I'm like on the fly I am really out of my element like, where's, where's <laughs> <laughs> oh actually so for those for those nerds i'll tell you the quick story about this so some of so most of you know what the berkeley college of music is right mm-hmm. okay and for those of you that don't it's a school in boston it's basically if you play jazz it's the biggest school in the country most of the a lot of big big names have gone so in this where this started was in the 1960s up until that point if you want to learn a tune, you probably weren't going to find it written down somewhere. So you either have to transcribe it off the record or you have to find the guy who wrote the tune in the first place. And, and ask him what oh, chords he was using. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> now, now, and there's a very famous story 
um, Miles Davis, there's a tune called Confirmation. It's a real famous bebop tune. And he said the night, so he wrote this tune and the night he played it for the first time, the next morning he was sleeping in bed and at 7.30 in the morning, he hears a knock, a frantic knock on his door. And he's like, who is waking me up? Because he just played till like four in the morning. Opens the door pretty mad. And it's J.J. Johnson, who's probably was probably the world's great, one of the world's greatest trombonists. And one of the guys who I can't remember. And they're both holding pieces of paper in their hand. Mm. <laughs> and, they, and they're like, and like, he's like, what do you want? And he's like, Miles, what's the chord you use in the 18th in, in the seventh bar confirmation? Is it this rhythm? Is it this rhythm? So what they've done was back in those days, jazz musicians would play for like a long time. Like, like Aldrin does a two-hour set, but they basically sets an hour, right? These guys would do like six sets a night kind of deal. <laughs> and so in order to get the band up to speed, they would play certain songs every set because it was new. So J.J. Johnson and this other guy had come and heard like the second set where they played it and they were like, what is this tune? And they immediately ran out, got music <laughs> sheet paper, and they spent the rest, the next four sets trying to write down everything they could remember. <laughs> Just and, and, and that means in real time, trying to transcribe a melody you've never heard before <laughs> over chords that you don't know what they are. Or what key it's in, or anything, and they were, and they were so close. Actually, he, Miles said they were both close. They were both about ten percent away from actually being a hundred percent correct on the chart. Why didn't they just use their iPhones and just? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shazam. Actually, a really interesting one. Uh, because, speaking of Shazam, uh, when when we were all together at the retreat and you were doing the Jake challenge. Yeah, there was somebody in the back trying to Shazam every tune you were doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he yeah, was just totally. like, I don't know if you saw him. He was like in the back doing that, oh, but because hilarious. it was a lot, but because it yeah. were all like live videos, the Shazam was just like not having it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're short clips. Beating Shazam in that game, see? <laughs> so, and, so the story was that in the '60s, a bunch of students at Berkeley had all written charts out for tunes they want to learn, and they all thought, "What if we just..." start trading and they thought you know this could make a very cool book so that's why if you look at these books they're all basically old hand scribble looking because the original fake books were all hand scribbled they were handwritten and basically it was an underground thing that existed at berkeley for about 10 years before anybody else got into it and in, in the and actually until the 90s you couldn't buy one of these legally <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't the only way you could have actually gotten one of so the, so a fake book uh, for for you if you don't play any gigs, a fake book is a book we carry around so that if we don't know a song, we can fake it. That, <laughs> uh, and those had existed before that. But if you have a few hundred of the best jazz musicians, young jazz musicians in the country, all working together to create accurate charts for something, it's probably going to be a lot more correct than uh, you know the the guy who plays organ for his church trying to like scribble something out that he's never yeah. heard before yeah so it was like that's the why... first like really crowdsourced jazz book <laughs> it kind of was yeah it kind of was yeah. would have ultimate guitar for <laughs> and they would stick and they stuck it all together and because it was more accurate than most other things that's why it's called that why this one is called the real book 
Mm. Because you were because according for them, you were playing the real version of the song, not the fake version that somebody else had, you know, maybe kind of figured out. Mm -hmm. And even today you can still see that. Go to like musicnotes.com, call up one song and see how many different versions there are. Mm. Different rhythms, different keys, different chords. That gives me an idea. I should like ring up like 10 of the best uke players and we should just make an ukulele real book. (laughs) Well, that that's the thing, that's the one thing I don't like about Ultimate Guitar is that I mean, think of a popular song and then go look for that on Ultimate Guitar and see how many versions there are. (laughs) You know, like... (laughs) The fake is fake book. (laughs) I mean, you know, and and the thing is, of course, everybody who contributed one, I mean, they did their best. Yeah. You know, they did everything they could. They they worked on it. But there are certain chords that sound like other chords. Mm -hmm. It just happens. And if you're not used to hearing certain things, for instance, you know, say a C7 or a C9, you know, if you're not really used to hearing those things, you can easily mistake one for the other or not recognize that at all and just mm-hmm. write it as a C chord. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, if you if you and if you and the guys ever got together and did that, that would be pretty incredible. You know, <laughs> who who's 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 saying that there isn't already being made? <laughs> I just wasn't invited. <laughs> 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 there's a but i, I think uh, adam neely tells like a good story where he said like at one point you know every when he was in college everybody's like oh get the real book or get get the fake book get the real book you know get these so you can learn jazz standards and then when he said when he was actually playing in new york he saw somebody get kicked out of a bar because they're like oh you're because using the, out the real book yeah yeah, yeah. So I remember that video. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I already know what how you would answer this, but are you somebody who's for the use of the real book or are you somebody who can kind of understand where they're coming from when they like they're like, Oh, if you're using this, get out of here, you know, you come oh, back when you actually learn Mike's the song. Controversial <laughs> stance now. Here we go. <laughs> to, to, to quote Adams, it is a shibboleth. No, uh, <laughs> I'm halfway there. Being being a player, I do understand the value of having moved beyond needing a piece of paper in front of you. I get that. Because, th- I mean, the truth is, and I'm guilty of this as anybody else, um, as long as you have the music in front of you, it's kind of a crutch. You know what I mean? You There will be a point at which it, if you are reliant on the music, I guarantee something is going to happen that's going to make that music go away and then you're screwed. <laughs> it's on the it's on your sheet, it's on your stand, you're playing along, you're doing great, and the wind picks up and blows that thing halfway across the <laughs> halfway across the plate, however uh, wherever you are. And then if you don't know at least the basic construction of that song, you're shot. I mean you're really in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I get that and and if people are approaching don't bring a real book to my gig on that. I get it. Um that being said, there there definitely as an educator, I definitely feel that there is a time and a use and a place for that book for the for the real book. I mean, I can't honestly, I've played a million jazz gigs with my real book out and just playing because I don't know every song ever written. And if someone asks for it, <laughs> you want to be able to play it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can play well enough reading, even sight reading these things that if someone calls a, a piece in this book that I've never played before, that I can do what I would consider to be, you know, a good job playing that piece. You know what I mean? I, I won't train wreck it because I have this to help me. There there does need to come a time and a place where you can put all that away, though. There has mm-hmm. to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my eyes, to be the the most complete musician, not just not bass player, drummer, 
ukulele player, guitarist, whatever you are, in order to be the most complete musician you can, you have to, you should have a working ability to do both. Yeah. You, you absolutely have. Now, can I get up there and just blast through tunes that I just have stuck in my head? Yeah, I have quite a bunch as, as every, all four of us in this chat do right now. I mean, I think if you actually sat down and wrote down the names of every song that you know how to play, it would be a really long list. Probably longer than some of you think. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then there are situations you play if you want to be an out there working musician, that that's just not an option. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a good example was, and this was actually supposed to happen last month, but of course, the Rona showed up and screwed everything up. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, last year, I played a gig with a pretty notorious British drag queen called Lavoie. Oh, yeah. And, cool. and, uh, yeah, over at KCC. And Lavoie was a contestant on, you know, Britain's Got Talent. And her show goes everything from like Dream Girls to Miami Sound Machine to the musical Cabaret to Liza Minnelli music to uh, Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. I don't know all those songs, obviously. <laughs> and you don't, know the be the, you don't know the music to the best music video ever made, Mike? I actually did know Total Eclipse of the, Eclipse of the Heart. Okay, I did okay, know okay, right. We're still friendly. Um, <laughs> funny enough, one of the songs I didn't know how to play was um, Shares Believe. I've never been asked to play that. Life After Love. Yeah, I know the song. I've just never been mm -hmm. asked to play it, so I just mm -hmm. never have. If you learn it, you should teach it to us, because there's a guy at our gig who keeps asking for Share songs. <laughs> not even joking yeah um if you're gonna do any share song though no. um i'm gonna just say since you and aaron play the other you should just play i got you babe i was gonna say don't say i got you babe <laughs> it's, it's the best actually the beat goes on the beat goes on is pretty awesome um with that with that that baseline that aaron you could play that's that's a pretty awesome song um, now here's the thing lavoie we our show was on a tuesday night lavoie flew in on a tuesday morning oh. and the show's two uh two and a half hours long with segues and mm. these long medleys we had we had like uh miami sound machine was like a 10 minute medley all in and of itself oh. um then there was one know. which was Cher and ABBA together. And that was another like seven, eight minute medley. There's no way any of us would have ever learned it by ear in that space of time. It wouldn't have happened. Mm. You know, um, we were see so, you know, and even then it was a week before, a week before the gig, we received our packets in the mail or not <laughs> in, in email, which was PDFs of the entire show and all the music written out in notation with chords you know and everything like parts and even then it still took us a you know it was me and my friend uh another friend of ours paul cobanus um ron margolis the drummer and uh dave yukimura and steve doobie on horns and then lavoie's music director brian nash was on piano since we're promoting all our friends uh check him out brian nash he's he does a lot of live shows on facebook throw that venmo tip jar um <laughs> Great pianist um, and has everything written out. I mean, it really is really well timed out. You know, the, the music is very well written. It's clear and it has to be because we're making these, you know, you're going to play 32 bars of this song and it's going to go through this eight bar section where we're morphing into this other song and you're going to change keys into this song. <laughs> so I'm going to be real honest. If someone had sent me a CD of that or an MP3 of that whole show and just said, chart it out and learn it, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah, and you not, can't not, use not, music like at the not, show. Not, like, yeah, not in the week. Ads. That would have never <laughs> happened. I wouldn't have. Uh, 
there's very few musicians I think of that could pull something like that off. Adam Neely could have done it. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly to watch his video on when he had to do that video game music thing. He was staring his iPad the whole time. Oh, 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 Mike's got Mike's got fangs. (laughs) He he just put out a video like about um doing uh they made a Broadway show in like twenty four hours or something. And so he had to transpose all the music like overnight. Like he had to do four songs or something, like the four musicals. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, four musicals. Four and, whole musicals. And and the composer yeah. gave them the songs, and they had to he had to write out everything too. So yeah, yeah. He, he is one of those and, guys. And, and did and might. did you look at how and did you look at how empty his eyes were at the end of that? <laughs> <laughs> Sunken. Yeah, so so the point of that is that in that sense, no, that's when my ability to read music at a at a high level saved my butt. Yeah. Because immediately I could go right into reading the music and knowing what it was supposed to be so that because when they showed up that day, we got to the theater at about 12. Lavoie and Brian got there about 1.30. We started rehearsal at 2 for a 7 o'clock show. <laughs> and that's and that four and a half hours we had before that was all we had, <laughs> you know, in order to get this show 100% right. Mm. That's really tough. So, yeah. you know, at a certain point, it depends on the kind of gig you're doing. But my advice is always go ahead, you know, learn both. There's nothing going to yeah. it's, it's not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt you to know how to do both. I, I I think the reason why people are so against one or the other is because people use that as like a crutch to only rely on one or the other, right? So like yeah. when when people use uh she music as a crutch and like you go to something and they're like, oh well, this is a really easy song. I can teach you it in five minutes. But then they're like, oh, I can't play without she music though. Then it's like, oh, you should like as a yeah. you, you as a musician you kind of want to get at least that <clears throat> far with not needing sheet music or not needing to rely on something it, and then on the other a, hand like sheet music could probably save you in these kinds of situations where it's like you only have this much time to learn it here's the music written out instead of just listening to it or whatever a lot of it yeah. is time and place and like and the situ like uh, like what mike was saying is the situation if you're playing like for you know, if you're like a wedding singer, for example, you, like having music there, like is is not like is not bad because people are, are going to ask you for like different things, you know, like oh, can you play this song? Not even just you know, like just the people in the audience. The bride is going to ask you, you know, like oh, can you? This is our song. Can you play this? And you're not not going to play that song, right? And no, you, you're going you to yeah, play that song. Yeah, you're going to play that song. So I think in some places, I think it's it's okay. Or if you're playing at a you know at a bar, even sometimes if you like. But if you're, you know, um, but if you're an established musician already, like uh, like Bruno Mars, for example, you know, like he's not going to have it at like the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or his, musician, his musicians are not going to have it at the Super Bowl. Or he's, you know, like, <laughs> it, it just, I think it's... iPad stands. It, exactly, <laughs> iPad stands and stuff. Like I... You know, um, or if you know, if you have like a set that you're that you're already doing, a set that you play all the time. Like I think if you have a set that you're playing all the time and having music in front of you, like that just kind of takes away from you know from the set. If I'm an audience, you know, like watcher and stuff, so it really just depends. I can do both, but I think um, there are more times that I try not to. Like if uh, if we're gonna play like a festival, for example, and we're like headline, Aaron and I are headlining. You know, like I, I don't think people want to see our faces buried like in, in like music stands, you know, and, and have it there. It's not like people are going to ask us for requests anyways. So that's like where the situation kind of comes, you know? Right. Yeah. 
I, I think like with uh, using it as a music education tool too, there's like there mm-hmm. you see this kind of come as a trend because like there's a real book that came and like people really wanted to use it and then people were like oh don't use it and then like ultimate guitar too it's like you kind of see the same thing where ultimate guitar came up and everybody was like oh it's a great resource and then all the online music teachers were like don't use ultimate guitar it's a terrible <laughs> resource like stop <laughs> using it and i think it's just because like is, is people like see that as the easy way and then they use it so much that it's like oh you're not really learning other musical fundamentals though like using your ear to hear what should come next or try building up your musical instincts to like know like oh i don't know this song but i kind of know this chord pattern or i know this idea so i can kind of know where it's gonna lead anyways mm-hmm. and, and that's yeah. like something that people or like Something that we find is that when people use only sheet music, they don't learn phrasing very well. And we can mm-hmm. tell, like, we, we see a lot of people who play and then we're like, did you play along with the music or did you just use the <laughs> sheet music? And they go like, oh, I just use the sheet music. And it's like, well, you should try play along with the actual song because you'll learn, like, things that the sheet music can't tell you, you know? You'll mm-hmm. learn how to express yeah. the song a little bit better. Or or tabs without, tabs. like, the, mm-hmm. yeah, musical notation on it. It's just tabs, okay. numbers. So here's my controversial one for this one. That is the one version of written music that I absolutely hate. <laughs> tabs. 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 Yeah. I think yeah. tabs is probably the dumbest thing to be dependent on. Let me uh-huh. uh, look up an email that Mike... Uh, sent me before saying, "Hey, can you give me the tabs to this song?" And the reason I know Aldrin's the reason I know Aldrin's BSing me is that nobody has ever gotten that email from me. Yeah. It's like Aldrin is wearing the wire, and he's like, "Can you can you say that one more time? Right into uh, oh, just speak, say that right into my chest, please." Talk right into this flower on my shirt. <laughs> And you just would come in handy 14 years later, Mike. And the reason I think about that is because, the reason I say that is because, and then this is the same thing I have an, as an issue with people who only have, like their sheet music is basically lyrics and chords. Mm. It doesn't teach you, it, it much like, like I said, it doesn't teach you phrasing. Mm-hmm. There's no actual melody involved. All you're figuring out with a tab is where did this guy put his finger? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's all it teaches yeah. you. And well, cool. If you have the song available, the tab will help because they'll put your hand in the right place. Mm-hmm. But after that, you know what I mean? Like I could give you a song that like if I, I could give Aldrin a song that he already knows. But if I don't tell him it's this song. And I put it in front of him in tab. It'll still take him a few minutes to figure out. Oh, I can put. I already know this song, you know, because there's not enough information there. Yeah, you know. I yeah, I think like the best, uh, the ideal situation, right, is that you have the sheet music or tab with the actual recorded music, so you can hear what it's supposed to sound like. Because you can't you can't get all the information from one or the other. You can get pretty close with like really good sheet music but it's not it's still not going to give you 100 percent of what you need to play the song you know you still need to kind of have a a idea of what it should sound like yeah right now here's here's the one caveat about that every classical orchestra on the planet would disagree with that yeah yeah 
Yeah. Because mm-hmm. now here's the thing. We're talking about people who are playing at some of the highest levels around. Mm-hmm. Also, generally, when you're talking about that, they are reading music that is written by someone who's very precise about what they've written down. Mm-hmm. You know, that that would be my one exception to, to that statement. So if you so if I took a piece of music that I'd never seen before, and matter of fact, we'll go back to another Adam Ely video. Kai, did you see the five composers one? theme video yeah yeah so that's a good example realizing what those guys had in the short amount of time and yet they were able to do it so well from just the beginning yeah now would your average joe sitting at home looking at ultimate guitar and a tab be able to do that no they certainly wouldn't be able to do that <laughs> I, I think classical musicians though too they also have other uh things to fill in the gaps for a musical you know like that or like how they should play the music because that's why they have composers in front of them, right? To tell them like, oh, you guys in this time, you guys need to raise your volume or lower your volume. Dynamics oh yeah, yeah. The instructions things. are in the music. That's also what I meant about like someone who wrote something very specific. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like a good like a good composer is actually going to write all that stuff in. If he wants it louder, he's going to put markings to say this is where you get louder. And mm-hmm. a good musician reading it is going to see that instruction and be able to to um, and be able mm-hmm. to execute. Yeah, you know? more rubato, Mike. More rubato. Yeah, and, <laughs> and even in like that that uh, Adam Neely uh, video you mentioned too, like they got his music right, and then the bass player actually like didn't quite know how to play what he wrote so they kind of had to be like i think this is what he means like because it kind of sounds like that and then afterwards adam neely himself was like oh i totally forgot to add in a note or something like being (laughs) more specific about that i'm glad they figured that out but yeah Yeah. that is what i meant so yeah well yeah and then that's that's the level of that's also kind of the that idea of their level of musicianship yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, because there's a there there would be a bunch of people who at that point the rehearsal would stop. All right, so they'd be like, I, I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> so because we're nearing the end already, and we didn't get to answer any of the uh, of the live uh, chat questions. Is there any questions oh, in the live chat to just kind of like to uh, so that we can lightning round this guy? Uh, we actually we didn't. only really answered one question. <laughs> yeah, we actually didn't really have questions from the chat because okay. like people were. Like when we were talking about real books and music yeah. and everything, that's what they were talking about in the chat. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Just wanted to make sure that no, nobody we, felt like they were ignored or whatever. Yeah, we, we actually had a chat from last week, though, that you might be yeah. able to answer. So this is from okay. Jim from Tampa, not Jim from uh, okay. uh, Australia. <laughs> so he said... Uh, yeah, yeah. A Jim from Oasis. <laughs> yeah, so he said, uh, I, I have like an E flat minor to an F7. But I want to find like a chord to finish off that phrase to make it sound like a Spanish or Mexican song. What chord would you suggest for that? So E flat e minor. E flat minor. Yeah. Yeah. To the F seven. Yeah. I would go to the B flat minor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that would just be like the the uh, four five one. Yeah, four five one. There it is. Yeah, there you go. If you want it sound, make it sound more flamenco-ish or Spanish-y. Yeah, it'd be B flat minor. You're in that key anyway. That would be the one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next up. Well, that that was it. That we. No, next that was... one. Come on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Do this, <laughs> yeah. Double team this, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, the Hi. only question that we had for that, like that uh, last week. 
Uh, okay. but, Any other like emails that we got or anything like that? Uh, I don't think so. I think we we actually covered with Mike answering how to do jazz chords. I think we covered mm-hmm. pretty much our yeah. back end of emails. So yeah, and I didn't want to like I didn't want to stop because the, the the conversation was great. Like the whole the yeah, entire yeah. time, I was yeah. like you know we talking about different things and I didn't want to disrupt the flow or anything. But I I also didn't want to ignore like if we did have questions mm-hmm. in the chat and stuff. So that's cool. All right. Um. Well, it is almost two o'clock, Mike. Um. Tell us uh, what is. Oh wait, this? I actually wanted to add in um, just for people who are interested in those, like the rhythm changes stuff. We have on in the marketplace in Ukulele Underground, like kind of speaking of um, jazz light. <laughs> we <laughs> we have a Matt strumming course. Ha- there's a section called um, jazz. I think it was uh, jazz and swing strumming. And he does kind of like he shows you kind of a, a progression based off of ri- rhythm changes that you could use with the jazz and swing strumming. So if people want to check that out, um, it's in the Ukulele Underground Marketplace, um, the ultimate ukulele strumming course, jazz and swing strumming section. Um, and it's available for not free. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Book. <laughs> not like the Red Book. Yeah, wow. but I'll, we'll put a link to that one, too. Um, if you just kind of if you don't know anything about jazz and kind of want an easier way into it, that's mm-hmm. it's really like you know mm-hmm. s- simple stuff that yeah. can kind of get you mm-hmm. get you going for mm-hmm. basic ukulele getting into jazz. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay, or well, uh, uh, I was gonna say I think uh, the like if you buy all of Matt's classes too, that's like a better deal because you get like everything besides just that one class too. Yeah, and, and it costs <laughs> more, but. But then you get a bigger discount for like mm-hmm. buying them all individually. So yeah, mm-hmm. you might want to do that. Um, I was gonna ask Mike because you know all like the musicians here on Kauai and stuff, and you're probably friends with them all on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, since not a lot of people, you know, I, I get a lot of like emails like, "Hey, we want to come down to Kauai and stuff," but like didn't you know because of the situation, like we can't come down anymore. And I know people, and you mentioned earlier. That people are kind of like jamming on, you know, on social media and kind of just like tip them and stuff. Um, are there any musicians that you would uh, you we would recommend for people to kind of check out and listen to? Uh, in general, just or just ca- or Kauai guys? Um, mostly Kauai guys, but I guess you can just name people in general because uh, people are just kind of wanting music and and live stuff right now. Okay. So is if, is there any virtual way to transport them over to Kauai? You know. Well, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is someone who'd be familiar to Ukulele Underground. Uh, viewers uh kavika actually does nice. one every couple weeks mm-hmm. um he has a venmo tip jar uh frank cruz mm-hmm. uh he's doing one every thursday um, and do you know their net handles we can no. figure it out <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll link it we'll link it we'll link it yeah um uh like i said brian um Kavika. dj dj yaris i think is doing some every now and then oh mm-hmm. nice um, well, he just did a song with uh with mckenna he did yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to promote that too. All right on, man. <laughs> Caviola and McKenna Pasqua. Check it out. It's on YouTube. I yeah. forget the name because of the song. Because McKenna um, did, did a song, you know, with with, uh, with us. So people should know McKenna based on our lessons. Yeah. When? The last Christmas, <laughs> I played the bass. <laughs> she sang the main part. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is a lot of guys are not really doing it for tips. Yeah. They're just doing it uh, mm. on a high level. Chick Corea is actually on every oh, few weeks. Speaking of jazz, oh, snap. <laughs> so, you know, jazz. Yeah. Chick Corea gets online and he plays like, you know, like 45 minute jazz solo piano set. That's just cool. Just because. I, I love his version of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he plays it really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost like he wrote it. You know, it's like weird. He knows it. Like he yeah, yeah. knows it. <laughs> did, I, bet did, he does, I bet he doesn't look at a real book. <laughs> did, he did he? <laughs> did he That's come to you, able Audrey, to play it so accurately. In, in the middle of the <laughs> night, knock on your door. It's like, oh, you need to tell me how to play Spain. With I'd be like, chick, you know, I just can't wait till the morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we were talking before, this is eventually you're gonna have to do it as a whiteboard request. Exactly. <laughs> Spain? Thirty seven week series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can just we can just get Abe, like just give him like a case of beer or something, like do can you teach this for us? <laughs> <laughs> Abe Lovermas, I got a case of Stella Artois for you. Oh snap. Oh, okay. Green bottles. That's what he likes. I actually know that's his, I actually know that's his favorite beer. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Wait, when he when he comes when offer he, himself to Spain <laughs> from the beginning when he came to the jazz festival, oh, yeah. we would always have like I guess Coronas and like Budweisers and stuff like it, mm-hmm. Bud Lights and the thing. I was probably like a second or third year, so it was like ten years ago, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably where we really started hanging out. Mm-hmm. So he just was like looking, and you know like when someone's looking in the fridge and they just got that look like. Yeah, I want that purple stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, what's yeah. up, man? You need something? He said, like, I really would love, uh, I, you know, this is all the beer we got. He's like, yeah, why? What did you want? He said, oh, I really love Stella. So I ran over to City Liquor, grabbed him a six pack and brought it back. And that was it. <laughs> we went, you guys were best friends. <laughs> after that, it was Besties. that and Pietro's Pizza that made us, that made, that bonded us together. All right. <laughs> yeah. Kids don't, don't drink alcohol. Or anything, kids. Like it's no, no Abe was no? a complete age when he did this. Yes, as yeah. long as yeah, do not. Yeah, there it is. There it is, Mike. There you go. You're an educator. You should tell these guys. <laughs> and and drink responsibly. Yeah, drink responsibly. Drink responsibly and preferably not at all if you're underage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. With that, you know, on a lighthearted note, we're going to uh, bid you all adieu. 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 How do you, how do you say that, Mike? Adieu. Oh yeah, there it is. There it yeah. is. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for tuning so in. You were tuning in to Thursday Live Lessons on behalf of myself, Magic Mike Odo, Kahai the Legend, Aaron the Voice. We'll see you folks next week. Have a great one. Aloha. Thank you.